Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A constant longing that all people have in their heart, I believe, is to stay encouraged. I don't think there's anyone here this morning who wants to stay discouraged, uh, feeling gloomy all the time, maybe losing hope all the time, maybe feeling insecure and anxiety all the time. I believe it's in our nature, there's a seed of desire to long for joy and happiness and even contentment in our lives, some satisfaction where you'll say, hey, I have arrived and I don't need any more. And one of the inward actions that can give us this great encouragement, which we tend to overlook and not focus, I believe, is Thanksgiving. And we think about Thanksgiving and the holiday season with meal and family gathering, but I believe that Thanksgiving is truly within the heart of a person. It's not a gathering of an event. But I believe it's a great, wonderful fellowship with your God in giving thanks to Him. Uh, many wish to stay encouraged by having more than what they have. Maybe that will fix their contentment, and maybe that will arrive them to happiness and joy. And the reason, I believe, as people wanting to, and wanting to have more in their lives and thinking that that will lead them to encouragement... I believe that the reason is because they have an unspiritual desire of maybe covetousness. I think about Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. It's on the screen. It says, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never, what is the next word there? Satisfied. And the Bible is very clear that we always want more in our nature, in our flesh, and, and in our covetousness. Because of our wanting, I believe that we don't find contentment. And since we don't have contentment, we don't have that much to be thankful for. And we're not giving thanks to God. And I heard about little Billy while at the grocery store picking up a turkey with his mom. He told his mother, you know what, mom? Thanksgiving should come after Christmas. Then we have more things to be thankful for. And, uh, you know, just like Billy, you know, we are discontent. We wish that maybe uh, uh, things like Christmas would come before so that we could give thanksgiving to our God. But I believe that true thanksgiving, sincere thanksgiving, if you're truly grateful, it comes from by having uh, that contentment in our heart. And we should think of how Thanksgiving was started in the beginning, under what condition it was started. It is studied that the first American Thanksgiving didn't occur in 1621 when a group of pilgrims shared a feast with a group of friendly Indians. We know that picture very well. And, but uh, uh, historians say that there was another Thanksgiving before this event, before 1621, and it occurred uh, 11 years before in 1610 at Jamestown. And uh, Jamestown had reduced uh, down to a group of 60 people, and they had around 409 before. But in that winter of 1610, they lost around 349 people by starvation. And the survivors, the rest of 60, prayed for help without knowing when or how it might come. And when help arrived in the form of a ship filled with food, and supplies from England, a prayer meeting was held to give thanks to God. 
as these people were nearing death, these provisions came. And of course, it wasn't much, but they were able to give thanks to God because they had this contentment in their heart that God had provided. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that it's not all the material things that you could gain in life that that could give you contentment and maybe another extra million or maybe another you know, extra car or maybe a nicer house. Uh, you might think that will give you contentment, but I believe that Thanksgiving, true Thanksgiving, should start with that pure contentment in your heart that God has blessed you enough already. And we need to find that solemn meditation in our hearts in this season. And isn't it wonderful that our God is real this morning? And our God does provide. And that God knows what we need. And as we think about those people in 1610, they were ultimately thanking God for the provision. And they weren't thanking uh, some Indians or uh, other uh, uh, people that maybe provided for them. But ultimately, they were giving thanks to God because their prayer was answered. It's been reported that in today's politically correct environment where you have to be so careful to keep from offending anyone, which are believed that we might all have to give reports like this fourth grader who reported on the origin of the Thanksgiving holiday. And this fourth grader wrote one day, the pilgrims came here seeking freedom of you know what. When they landed, they gave thanks to you know who. Because of them, we can worship each Sunday you know where. And, uh, you know, we live in a political Uh, a politically correct society, that they are fear to give thanks to the true God, the one creator who has provided for for all of us to enjoy. And ladies and gentlemen, let us not in any way be shy in thanking our Jehovah God this morning. Let us give thanks to God who has provided so much. And let us always be filled with joy and contentment that all blessings and good things come from our Lord. I think about James chapter 1, verse 17. Look at the scripture here. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You see, God never changes. Our God never changes his mind concerning provision. I think about in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus Christ says it very clearly. Hey, you don't need to pray for maybe the clothes that you'll uh, need or, and uh, also the meat that you'll eat the next day. Hey, all the people in the world pray, uh, uh, have a desire for that and they have worry for that. Do not worry about them. I want you to know that I will provide for you. You just need to seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And ladies and gentlemen, if we want to really see great contentment in our hearts and minds, we need to, real, uh, we need to uh, always seek the kingdom of God, the spiritual things, and the godly things. And I believe Thanksgiving is one of them. Before you, I guess, uh, uh, desire to have more in your life, realize that God has given you something already. For instance, God has given you life. Isn't that wonderful? You were able to wake up this morning. And uh, by the grace of God, you're not in a hospital bed today. I was at a uh, hospital this past week visiting somebody, and, and this wasn't the person that I'm describing today, but 
There was another patient in that same room, I think. It was a, uh, a girl uh, uh, around uh, four years old, and the, this girl was caged in. I don't know what her sickness was, but uh, uh, one of our church members told me that that girl was saying hi to her uh, throughout the visitation that she was in. And, uh, you know, as, as I think about that little girl, four years old, hopefully that she'll get cure, she gets cured and that God will bless her life and, and that she would uh, uh, grow up in a healthy way. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, as we think about our lives, I believe that God has bestowed upon us great, wonderful blessings, especially thinking about our health. And you are sitting here today and, uh, and just enjoying this time together with your family and friends. And also, uh, next week, you'll have Thanksgiving, and uh, you'll have your own gathering. You'll enjoy that, and you'll eat, and you'll have some good time. And those things, I believe, it's all because of by the grace of God. And realize that you need to be thankful for those things, and you just need to meditate upon those little things to realize God has blessed you already. So during this Thanksgiving season, I'd like to encourage you to think of God more than ever before, and He will be your encouragement. He will be your contentment. He is worthy to receive Thanksgiving. Before you count the things that you are thankful for one by one, think about your God. Think about the Lord who has given you life. Think about your Savior who has given his life for your sins. Think about that before you count all the material things and before you count all the things that you have gained in life. No, realize that there is a God you need to give thanks God to, you need thanksgiving too. So why should we think of God as we give thanks to him? I'd like to share with you three eternal reasons why we should give thanks to our God. First of all, give thanks because he is good. God is always good. Do you believe that this morning? And uh, Psalm 136, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. We give thanks because God is always good. You know, God has never allowed anything in our lives for bad. Do bad things happen to good people? Yes. Do trials come? Yes. Do we have heartaches? Yes. But I believe even those things, there is a purpose. There is a goal in God's uh, sovereign plan, and that goal is good. And as we think about the scripture in Romans 8.28, look on the screen as we know that how many things? All things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. You might say that there have been bad things in your life, but realize that those things can be turned into good. Listen to the testimony of Joseph in Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as is this day, to save much people alive. You see, Joseph was sold into slavery by no one else, his brother. His brothers sold him into slavery. And his brothers uh, sold him uh, so that they could gain some money. And, and they were envious of his favor with his father. So they sold him into slavery. And then also later on, uh, Joseph was wrongly accused. And he was put into prison for two years. And then uh, finally at the end, uh, of course, God's favor was true with him. He became a governor of Egypt. But as we think about the relationship between his brothers and also Joseph, Joseph testifies, 
you thought that you were doing evil against me, but to God, it was all for good. It was all for good. And these gentlemen, Joseph realized that at the end, even though bad things occurred, the summarization became good because Joseph was able to save much people alive during that time of famine. I think about the testimony of the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You see, psalmist says, hey, it was good that I got into trial. It is good that maybe some things have occurred in my life that, that uh, uh, came out to be an affliction. It was good because I was learning his statutes. I was learning his scripture. I was learning his principles. I think about the testimony of David. Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And even though you might walk in the shadow of death, as the psalmist says in Psalm 23, ladies and gentlemen, God is always with you. And God will always provide for you. And God will always lead you into goodness. And his mercy endure forever. And let us be grateful for that this morning. God might allow bad things in our lives so that he may bestow his goodness, and, but we need to have faith in them. God always does his perfect work in James chapter 1, verse 2 as well. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work with patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. You know, James says that you'll arrive at a point where you find contentment to realize that, hey, all things did work together for good. Go through the trials with joy because at the end, you'll be full. You'll be full of blessing. You'll be full of contentment. You'll be full of the peace that passes all understanding. And ladies and gentlemen, you might have a storm in your life today. You might have a lot of difficulties around your life. But there could be peace within your heart. Because Jesus Christ never changes when storms come around. And I think about Peter and Jesus Christ. They both walked on water. Remember that? Jesus Christ Christ started walking on water. And Peter said, hey, let me go. Uh, join you, and let me walk on water too. And, and Jesus says, come on over. And Peter started walking. But then he saw the storm, storm boisterous. And uh, he started to sink at that moment. He got his eyes fixed on the things that surrounded him. But he should have fixed his eyes upon Jesus, who never changes. But of course, God's mercy was greater that he was able to pick up Peter at that moment. And ladies and gentlemen, God is always there to pick you up, even though your faith might be very little. And God is always there to help you. Just fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ. He never changes. He is always good. He knows what he's doing. And that he is above all the things that you might call trials. I think about Psalm 105 in verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye all of his wondrous works. 
And I believe that we need to talk more about our God who has done good things. And you could maybe pat yourself on the back, all the good things you have done. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not going to satisfy you. Because you'll realize that you have not arrived in perfection. There are some bad things that you have done. And maybe there are some bad things that occurred in your life because it was your fault. And realize that God always gives a perfect gift. God always gives that blessing that is always true and pure. And give all the glory and honor to God and talk of his wondrous works. And no matter what happens, God is always good. He is always the same. And give thanks to God. Secondly, give thanks because he is gracious. He is always gracious. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. But all things, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Not only God is good, but he is also gracious. And the writer here is speaking of difficulties. And the glory of God is greatly contributed, contributed by giving of things. And why do we give thanks? Because the abundant, abundant grace that he pours and each day we live and breathe and go forward is because of his grace. And through struggles and trials, it's gracious to bestow his gracious over and over again. Think about this cup this morning. And uh, I brought a cup in the platform today and and uh, I'm sure many of you heard of the phrase, this cup is half empty, all right? And then some maybe optimists come around and say, hey, actually, this cup is what? Half full, okay? And, uh, you know, uh, we are in some of a dilemma as we think about and evaluate our lives, and, and we think that it's half empty, and we think that it's half full, but Lee Shemin recognized the fact that it's not a matter of being half empty, half empty or half full, but realize that there's a greater God that could pour out his blessing so that you could be full and that your measure is not just half empty or half full, but full in capacity of contentment and give, giving, and giving thanks to our God because he is able to always be gracious to you. So don't think that it's half empty or half full. Realize that God could always pour more blessings to you so you could be more full. And I'm not talking about just material things today. I'm talking about your heart being full of thanksgiving, full of peace, full of love, and full of joy. And I believe some of your children today is wanting a father who is full of joy. Not always, not always just tired from work and, and coming back grumpy, but a father who is full of joy and love and peace. And ladies and gentlemen, recognize the fact that you need to be full in your life, and that fullness could only come by the Holy Spirit of God. And God is able to graciously provide that for you. It's not another million dollar you need, another job you need, not another car that you need, another house you need. I believe that your heart needs to be full. Your heart needs God's grace of peace and joy and even long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and even faith. Do you have that this morning? I think about the fact that 
we go through trials and, and we go through some heartaches and different hard circumstances. And we think that the outer things will help with all those things. But I think about what the Bible says in, uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians. It says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. As we read just a moment ago that God is able to abundantly, graciously provide for you. And as he provides for you, realize that all the things in this world are just temporary. Your outward man will perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day. So what is God, uh, uh, what is God more interested in? The things that you have or who you are? Who you are. It's not the things that you have. It's about who you are. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why the Bible says that inward man needs to be renewed day by day. He continues to say, for our light affliction is but for a moment, and we're working for us a far more, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we need to look to God and, and look at his wonderful purpose. And all the things in this world will go strangely dim because his grace will just shine in your life. And ladies and gentlemen, let us always recognize that God is good and God is always gracious. And he's gracious to fill your lives and your heart and give you that peace, give you that love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And you don't need more of the things of this world, because this world will just vanish one day. But you just need more of God. You need more of God. By the way, do you have Christ as your personal Savior? You cannot be full of love and joy and grace if you don't have Christ in your life. You're empty inside. And you might be a very nice vessel. You might be a very clean out, outwardly, and, and you might look good, but do you have Christ in your life? Do you have something filling in your life, or, or are you just an empty cup? And I think about many people are just maybe going to church and having their religious duties, and, and they claim that they know God, but inside they're truly empty. They don't have joy. They don't have peace. They don't have love. And they're insecure about their sins. They don't even know where they will go after they die. The Bible is very clear in 1 John chapter 5 that these things have I written to you that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You see, the Bible is written so that we may know for sure about going to heaven. And ladies and gentlemen, do you know for sure about going to heaven this morning? I'm not talking about the plans of the future concerning your finances, about your retirement, but I'm not, I, I'm not even talking about uh, your funeral engagement, but I'm talking about your meeting with God after this life is over. Where would you go after you die? There are only two places that you could go according to the Bible. One place is called heaven, another place is called hell. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a Christian talking, a person who has Christ as his personal Savior. But if you don't have Christ as your personal Savior, 
then you can't go where God is because sin has separated from you, uh, separated God from you. And the Bible says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You might say, I'm not a murderer. I'm not in jail this morning. I have not done terrible crimes compared to those people. But ladies and gentlemen, all sins are sins to God. It could be lying. It could be a filthy heart. It could be hatred. And it could be a filthy mouth. And it could be even covetousness. Did you know in the Ten Commandments, the last commandment is, thou shalt not covet? That's in the heart. You see, God sees the sins of the heart. It's not just the things that you do outwardly, but it's the inward heart, the sinful heart. That condemns us. And David said in Psalm 51, concerning his uh, uh, birth, that he was born in iniquity, meaning he was born as a sinner. I think about my children. I have three children. I have a seven-year-old. I have a four-year-old. And then I have a four-month right now. And uh, Silas, and uh, uh, he likes to suck on his two fingers right here. I don't know why. My other two kids didn't really like to do that and just like the pacifier, but he spits out the pacifier. And he's like, I want my finger, and starts sucking on the fingers, you know. And then I try to remove it. You know what? Sometimes he's only four months years old. He gets mad. He's like, I want my finger. And then he, and then he almost like, like puts, he almost like hits my hand away. When I try to, you know, remove that finger away. And I don't want him, I don't want him to have that habit, you know, growing up. And, and uh, I try to give him the passage that, that suffice. But, you know, uh, he has that little anger inside of him, you know. And uh, as, as we think about our children, you know, uh, we have never taught our children to sin. You have never, you know, sat down or knelt down and say, hey, son, I want you to know this is how you lie. Son, I want you to know this is how you steal. And I, I don't think any parent has done that. But I think children have figured it out. Why? Because, like David said, they have been born in iniquity. We are born in sin. No one has to teach us to sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that because of one man, all men became sinners. What does that mean? Because of Adam's sin, Everyone who was born after the Adam's similitude, we inherited that sinful nature. And ladies and gentlemen, we are all born as sinners. And one day, we will die as sinners. Where would you go? That's why Christ came down 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross. And he shed his blood so that he could take away your sins. So that he could cleanse your sins. Your past, present, and future. All of your sins can be cleansed away by our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you don't need to do good works, and you don't need to be a good person and be the best person so that you could go to heaven. No. The Bible says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You don't, need a good, you don't need to be a good person to go to heaven. You need a good Savior in your heart. That's who you need. And ladies and gentlemen, I think about so many people have this wrong idea about going to heaven. They think they have to do good works and they have to be a good person. But the Bible says, 
And uh, uh, by, for, uh, for by grace are you saved through, uh, uh, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. God says you're not saved by works, you're saved by grace, and grace is always free. And it's God's work on the cross that will take you to go to heaven. And you need to trust Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Think about this for a moment. I'm doing a good work, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with you, talking about Thanksgiving, how you need to have a full heart of uh, giving things and love and joy. But then tomorrow, let's say I go rob a bank. Anybody want to join me? No? And uh, let's say I go rob a bank. And then the police catches up to me, and then I tell the police, Sir, I did a very good thing on Sunday. I want you to recognize that. Would you let me go off this just this once? I don't think it's going to work with the police officer, do you? It's not going to work with him. Why? Because what I have done in my crime, okay, cannot be put away because of our maybe simple good things that I have done presently. And ladies and gentlemen, sin is like that. Sin stains. And sin remains with you. And there is only one person that could cleanse all your sins away. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died on the cross. Jesus Christ shed his blood. Jesus Christ rose again. And he, he, he is speaking to you this morning. If you have never received Christ, receive him. Receive him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you have Christ in your heart today? He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If you have never received Christ, judgment has already been done. The wrath of God abides on you. The verdict has been placed. You're guilty. You're going to a place called hell. But Jesus says, I could take away your sin if you simply say, that I am your Savior. If you simply believe that I have died on the cross for your sin, if you simply repent of your wrong belief and all the terrible things that you have done, you realize those are all sinful and all the things that you regret. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ has an open arm to receive you. And would you go to him this morning? Because he wants you to be in heaven. Number three, I'm finished. Give thanks because he is God. Because he is God. Psalm 136, verse 12. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. You know, the song says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Okay, We thank God that we could count those blessings. But realize also that we could give thanks to God for what he has withheld from us too. Not by what he has given, but what he, what he has withheld. What did he withheld? He withheld the judgment, the wrath. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why the psalmist says that his mercy endureth forever. And ladies and gentlemen, thank God we have a God who is love, who is mercy, who is patient, who is kind, who is long-suffering. And we must give thanks to our God for who he is. And he is merciful today. And we should be grateful for that. God says in Isaiah 45, verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the rest that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, there is none else. And ladies and gentlemen, there is nobody 
There's nobody that created this world except our Jehovah God of the Bible. And Jesus Christ is the one who died for you. Worship him as he is. And you don't need to add to him or subtract from him. He is God, and he is perfect, and you just need to see him as he is today. And I want to encourage you, if you have never received Christ as your Savior, receive him this morning. If you're a Christian today, hey, he is good. He has always been good. He is gracious to you, and he is God, and he will never change. Be grateful for that.